we figured out that our DTX group has great adherence to the patients. Our digital therapies require six days of rehabilitation exercise, every day 20 to 30 minutes of exercise program. And patient adherence was 75% of that eight-week period. And uh, our digital therapies also has a cognitive behavior therapy module in it, which gives 30 minutes of cognitive behavior therapy every week for eight weeks. Welcome to Digital Therapeutics Edition of Digital Health Today, and I'm your host, Eugene Borohovich. I thoroughly enjoy bringing you discussions with incredible industry leaders in every episode, and it would mean a lot to me if you could rate the podcast in your favorite player and hit that bell to be notified of future episodes. In the previous episode, I spoke with Mark Woodka, CEO of Dopavision. In their own words, Dopavision is pioneering the development of innovative solutions that target the eye's innate dopamine pathway to address unmet needs in ophthalmology using digitally delivered light. Today, I spoke with Chan Yoon, founder of Everex. In their own words, Everex is revolutionizing musculoskeletal rehabilitation with their cutting-edge AI, pose estimation technology, and evidence-based treatments. But before we dive in, I met Chan just recently at HLTH in Las Vegas. Chan exemplified humbleness through his confidence. I was also very intrigued to interview him as we have not had anyone from APAC on this podcast, and I wanted to learn more about the region and, of course, Everex. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Chan. Chan, welcome to the DTX podcast. I hope I did not butcher that. I think, you know, as we were catching up, one of my best friends growing up uh, was in New Jersey, was Korean, and I always heard the mom say, Yovaseo. Um, that's really the only <laughs> words that I learned, but that was over the phone as you informed me. So good to have you on the podcast. I know we just met and for our listeners and, you know, the viewers that will be tuning in to some of the excerpts, Chan and I just met literally uh, in the last couple of weeks. And uh, Chan is one of the first companies on the DTX podcast from the broader APAC region. So again, welcome to the show. And I would love for you to introduce yourself and don't forget about one small interesting fact about yourself as well. Thank you, Eugene. So um, I'm very honored to be the first APEC member to introduce our DTX product in DTX podcast. My name is Chan Yoon. I'm an orthopedic surgeon myself. I have uh, founded our company, uh, Everax, uh, in 2019. It's been four years now. The reason I started this company was um, actually I have never, ever thought about making a company <laughs> in my entire life. Because, yeah, the interesting thing about myself uh, would be that I never have dreamed about entrepreneur. <laughs> my father was a businessman. My family had like four physicians in our house. So uh, our, our house was uh, like academic house. And my father was the only businessman. And during the IMF period in Korea, he had really hard time with his company, bankrupt his company. We had gone through that kind of a tough period in my family. So uh, doing a business, uh, making a company was the last thing that I wanted to do. <laughs> That's a fun fact of my uh, journey. First, I, when I founded this company, I was thinking not uh, about DTX uh, at all. And uh, I was like, because we had so much difficulty uh, making uh, our patients 
to adhere to the rehabilitation that need to be done to get better. That was like a problem that we could not solve for years. And it was common in, you know, in every country. So um, the only thing that I was focusing was uh, I need to do something, you know, to make a little change, to make patients do exercise more, adhere to the rehabilitation more. So um, that was the only like the focus that I wanted to do address. And to do that, uh, the simple idea that I had was like uh, making uh, some kind of a smart brace for the post-operative patient to put on and do exercise. And, you know, it kind of accounts the exercise, you know, and during the rehabilitation, that kind of functional, like smart knee brace was the idea that I started with. And I didn't think it as a, like a business. It was a toy. Yeah, yeah, a simple thing that I want to build. And maybe I'll just use it to my patients. Maybe I can give it to some of my colleagues to, you know, use it to their patient. And that kind of a simple idea was to start. <laughs> and I tried it for a year. Before we dive deeper into Everex, because obviously that's really the focus on how you go to market, what's the product, but because you get to be the first guest from APAC, and we do have under uh, mission-based media, Digital Health Today, Tony Estrella, who is a friend of mine, runs a whole APAC podcast. So for those who are listening in, please tune in. Because you get to be the first one, I want our listeners to hear an interesting little fact from my perspective on our season one, which was in January of 2021 that we kicked this off. Kind of halfway through the season, we noticed that one of the top three countries that people are listening from was all of a sudden spiked in South Korea. And so maybe as a benefit to our listeners, what happened kind of in 2021 that made people sort of listen to Digital Therapeutics podcast and maybe at a very high level, I know it's you know over 40 countries in APAC, so you can't speak for them all, but maybe at a very high level and focused on Korea, give us a little bit of a view of what's happening with DTX and broader digital health. And let's spend just a few minutes on that. In 2020, August, Korean FDA have announced that they're going to do digital therapeutics. They're going to clear the digital therapeutics. They gave us the guideline to how to make a digital therapeutics. And uh, yeah, that was 2020, August. I first realized there is a thing that's called digital therapeutics in January of 2021. That was a time people kind of get to know that uh, there's digital therapeutics that we have to you know, look into. That's the, like a, in a mood in Korea at that time. And that's why I think at that period, South Koreans, you know, who are interested in new, you know, technology, new medicine, new digital health thing, they were kind of looking into digital therapies in other countries. And that's why I think your podcast got, you know, spiked in South Korea at that time. Awesome. As we talk about your own funding, we'll get to a little bit of what's happening, uh, again, specifically in South Korea on kind of the broader digital health investment scene. But actually, before that, you started talking about that you kind of wanted to invent, for lack of a better term, toy. You combined two of your generations, combining the clinical background of your grandparents and others, plus the business acumen and the lessons learned from your dad. And you became an entrepreneur and a clinical entrepreneur. So tell us a bit more about Everex and that journey to 2019. 
you kind of started with the hypothesis a little bit already, but bring us forward here. Tell us a little bit more. So we started with that toy idea, and we figured out that it's like impossible to make. <laughs> it's, it was very hard to make that toy. Yeah, I was like, wow, this is the era of making rockets and going to the moon, but we cannot make this toy. I was like, but it was very hard to make. But I'm going to say everything is possible as long as you have time and money, right? Yes, yes. So it took over a year to make a, like a working model of that toy. And uh, that's the time I have realized that it's kind of impossible to sell. <laughs> we cannot make it, you know, like mass production of that product at this, you know, saleable price. And at that time, I first realized about the digital therapeutics. And, uh, and one of the example of digital therapeutics was uh, musculoskeletal. There was a, like a, a report from IQVIA in 2021 that uh, about, uh, you know, uh, commercialized digital therapeutics. And there were two companies in that digital therapeutics company list that are doing the musculoskeletal. That was like Vivira in Germany and Kaya in Germany as well. Yeah. So looking into those uh, companies and products, uh, I have figured out that this may be the, you know, right way to approach to this rehabilitation problem, not this toy. And uh, we figured out that uh, we should pivot to that product. You're an orthopedic surgeon yourself, that's your background, but your choice of MSK as the broader, how big of a problem is it in South Korea, right? I mean, we know in US and elsewhere, MSK is one of the top you know, concerns and spend, right? But how is it in South Korea as a market? I would say same in South Korea, maybe worse because um, it's a very uh, aging population in Korea. Yeah, the old population is getting a very uh, high proportion. Uh, it's getting bigger. So, uh, you know, every degenerative musculoskeletal condition is very increasing because uh, people are living longer and longer. <laughs> Their uh, chance of getting uh, some kind of musculoskeletal condition disorders is getting higher and higher in Korea as well. And in terms of money spending as well, uh, it's the one of the top area in terms of uh, medical cost and spending as well, almost similar to US. Let's talk about funding, right? And again, to your point, only in August of 2020, the equivalent FDA in South Korea announced DTX. Uh, digital health you know, has been around, I'm sure, in South Korea broadly, right? And technological tools surrounding patient access and, and empowerment have been there. What was your journey? Uh, and just for our listeners, Everex has raised two billion one, so not two billion dollars, two billion one, which roughly translates to one and a half million. Sounds like that was a bit of a seed or pre-seed round. But talk us through a bit of your milestones and fundraising effort. You raised right before the pandemic kicked in, but also an undisclosed amount. So if you're willing to disclose here, great. If not, understood. Talk us through the funding round. Talk us through the challenges that you are seeing in the local market as the broader macroeconomic environment is really tough right now. So that was our like a seed pre-A round, one and a half million US dollar. And that was a time we just pivoted to digital therapeutics. So uh, we were only having like a idea and what we we're going to build and a team. <laughs> at the time, yeah. And uh, 
This year, end of April, we closed our uh, Series A funding, six million US dollar. It was a tough time to do the funding, but I think our uh, product as well as our uh, vision and digital healthcare, this condition of the digital healthcare environment in Korea uh, has supported those funding, yeah. Congratulations on that. As you mentioned, the market is tough everywhere. And maybe just one more question as, as again, the first guest, and let's just focus on, on South Korea. What does that funding environment look like in the healthcare space in South Korea? Is there a lot of investments still going in? Is the general you know, pause and wait is happening in South Korea? So give us a little bit on that. You, you get the privilege of representing your country on this as well. Like other countries in this like last year, it has been a very tough situation. And only a very few, few companies got funding over the last year. And we are very thankful that we closed our funding at that time. I would say those who are not profitable uh, at that point uh, was not getting funding at all. The VCs that invested in our company have not funded for over like six, eight months to new company at all. The lead investor of our series of funding was large VC in Korea named uh, Premier Partners. They uh, have not invested for a year in bio healthcare sector at all. <laughs> and we were the like a break, break point of the new funding. Well, congratulations on that. And to your point, sounds like you're at least towards profitability, which we get into that a little bit later in some of the discussions of your product. But maybe just one other kind of quick thing on this. I also realized, I think in, in our catch up uh, versus you know what I've been able to find, is that you're going for the DTX product that's in Korea, but you also have on the market a remote therapeutic monitoring product in US. Now, I just want to maybe touch on this for our listeners because, you know, many startups outside of US, you know, really look at US as a very congruent large market, 300 plus million people. What made you decide to go to US? And maybe just a very simple question, how's it going? <laughs> And what is the product, actually, before we get into the DTX stuff? So uh, our product in U.S. is called EverX Rehab. It has been registered uh, as a software medical device, Class 2, uh, an FDA uh, registry. So um, uh, it's officially in the market. We have just started sales uh, in U.S. Uh, like since last month. And a few uh, home health physical therapy centers are using our product right now to get RTM reimbursement. The reason we started uh, the Everest Rehab was that because we already have built that product in Korea and we have been, uh, our, in, in Korean setting, uh, large hospitals in Korea has been using it for over a year before we decided to make a US version of that. Because uh, we first thought that before we make digital therapeutics, that musculoskeletal disorder is a you know series of a lot of disorders. <laughs> you know you cannot do like just one condition to make we're making solution for musculoskeletal disorders. Yeah, so in uh, to make a digital therapeutics, you have to pick a one condition and make the clinical trial and solve the problem to focusing on one uh, musculoskeletal condition. For example, like our first digital therapeutics is focusing on patellofemoral pain syndrome, which is a chronic knee pain syndrome. 
And that digital pituitary is only targeting those one specific musculoskeletal condition. But a lot of whole musculoskeletal disorders need rehabilitation. You know, post-surgical condition, chronic condition, those all need rehabilitation in, in some way. So we first thought that this kind of platform that can address the whole musculoskeletal rehabilitation market would be needed in the uh, clinical setting. So we built the platform first, and we made the digital therapies out of this platform to address certain conditions. And using the platform, we could have experienced how it can you know, uh, merge into a hospital workflow uh, before we even build our digital therapeutics. And that's the reason that we built that platform. And after we just built that platform, we heard the news that RTM has been just, you know, been active in U.S. since like end of 2021. And we figured out that would be a, like a very profitable, good market to go for. And hence we met just a couple of weeks ago, right? So that's probably your trip to get more customers in U.S. Um, kudos on, on the launch there. And then maybe just, you know, before we get deeper into the whole DTX and PDT market in Korea and your own product, walk us through, I know you're still in clinical trials for the DTX, walk us through a little bit of that consumer or patient experience using your tools, using your product. So let's put the RTM product to the side for a second. Our uh, digital therapeutics, first therapeutics that targeting uh, chronic knee pain condition just finished our pilot clinical trial in Korea. Uh, 40 patients, 20 uh, versus 20. Control group was a uh, physiotherapy group. We figured out that our DTX group has great adherence to the patients. Our digital therapies require six days of rehabilitation exercise, every day 20 to 30 minutes of exercise program. And patient adherence was 75% of that eight-week period. And uh, our digital therapies also has a cognitive behavior therapy module in it, which gives 30 minutes of cognitive behavior therapy every week for eight weeks with the worksheet of the six days, rest of days uh, with the rehabilitation alone. And CBT session was 80% of our adherence of during the eight-week period. So uh, we figured out that this is a great adherence and patients really wanted this kind of solution. So just from a user experience for our listeners to understand, obviously in the clinical trial, you know, it's one way, but ultimately you would get a prescription, you download the platform, the physical therapist would quote unquote prescribe you the DTX, but also quote unquote a care plan through that product. And then the tool monitors how well you're doing it and gives feedback to the physical therapist. So I just want to kind of summarize it. Am I understanding that correctly? The process and the consumer patient flow? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Well, that sound means it's time for a question from my amazing partner on this podcast, Chandana Fitzgerald, who is the CEO of Health Excel, and as her friends call her, Dr. No Crack. Let's see what question Chandana has for our guest today. Hey, Chan, what does the DTX reimbursement landscape look like in Korea? Thanks for your question, Chandana. So reimbursement path is not yet fully determined in Korea right now. But the only DTX that has been 
mentioned from Korean FDA was prescription-based DTX in Korea. So uh, we will go through the prescription-based DTX, but how the Korean FDA would reimburse those DTX is still a question. There is a saying that only 10% of the price would be covered by the government insurance and rest of 90% would have to be like out of pocket from the patients. But it's not yet determined at all. They're still in the process. Yeah, and I'm going to jump in here. So again, you know, kudos for you guys raising your Series A. What I've been sort of hearing, at least from uh, some of the German investors, where obviously there was a clear path to reimbursement, DIGA, it was, well, just because uh, a company is in that DIGA and being reimbursed, you know, we still want to see more traction. Uh, and what we're actually hearing from the German market is that there's quite a lot of blocking happening on some of these prescriptions. So we're all, I think, are pretty interested to keep up with what's happening in South Korea on this, how the reimbursements will take shape. And so hoping to bring, you know, somebody from your team or other interesting companies from the market to hear more as, as things develop. Let's continue with the PDT route. And I think your business hypothesis, as the Korean FDA announced, let's call it acknowledgement of the digital therapies, the starting to set up the path. Is your business hypothesis that ultimately you guys scale within South Korea in the DTX market? Um, is it the RTM product scaling um, and that you mentioned already, you know, profitable by itself uh, or near profitable? You know, how are you looking at the growth of the company and scaling the company? And one last piece to this, you know, I think many Americans think about a U.S. company entering Europe broadly without realizing many times that, you know, every country still has its own money flows, reimbursement systems. So EU is not EU as a whole. Therefore, I'm asking you even on the APAC in the 40 plus countries. So are you looking outside of South Korea? So tell us a bit more on the scaling plans of the company. We are thinking that uh, the RTM market is a great market to scale. We have figured out that actually before we met at health, I was at California PT Association conference to uh, sales our product. And I've met a bunch of physical therapist groups there. The funny thing is uh, the RTM was been active since 2021, uh, I guess November, but 90% of the physical therapists still don't know about RTM yet. They have never heard about remote therapy monitoring at all. So they have been missing out their chance to have additional revenue from what they have been doing so far. And hopefully better outcomes with that. Yeah. So um, we're very excited because we were the one, you know, telling them, you know, there's a product that can help you with making more revenue and making your patient better. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, we think it's a great opportunity for us to scale at U.S. market at this point. And in terms of DTX, I think it will take some time in Korea. Two digital therapeutics got just got uh, cleared uh, for the sales um, in Korea. Two of them are both targeting insomnia. And uh, those products have not actually got the reimbursement path yet. The government has not decided how to make the reimbursement yet. So uh, it will take time. I think next one or two years would need it 
for Korean government to actually decide how they're going to do the reimbursement pathway for the digital therapeutics, I think. And we think uh, that would be the timing that our product will be cleared for the sale. So uh, yeah, we are looking into that like timeline. And uh, in terms of what you asked for the other countries uh, for the DTX, we think Japan market is very interesting. They have cleared DTX targeting hypertension. The Cure App company called Cure App, they have been selling their product to the market. And I heard that they're doing quite well with that product. So uh, we are thinking uh, Japan market is very interesting market to look into in terms of DTX sales. But as you said, there are a lot of countries in APAC region and, you know, every country has different medical system as well as different language. <laughs> so it's very hard to actually penetrate those markets. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with Chen Yun, founder of Everex. We started the discussion, I mean, you're orthopedic surgeon, uh, you're targeting physical therapists in your clinical trial with your product, you're already seeing pretty high adherence to that product. How do you weigh the balance and where do you see the humans? Uh, and what I mean by humans are the clinicians, you know, health coaches, physical therapists surrounding your product. Do you see your DTX product as EverX as a standalone at some point completely? I'm curious how you see the human in the loop discussion and, and what you have in the market. I think that's a very tough question. Yeah, because um, I think there needs to be some kind of human involvement to make this digital therapeutics better. That's like a necessary point, I think. But the guideline of Korean digital therapeutics does not mention about human uh, involvement. So it only like supports standalone DTX at this point. But I think they are also considering how they're going to manage with the human, you know, involvement, how they're going to, you know, make the price for the humans, how they're going to charge it, reimburse it. Those questions are still, you know, a lot of questions that need to be solved you know, before they even, you know, decide they're going to say, they want some kind of human involvement in it, yeah? <laughs> yeah, Chan, I, I know it's uh, tough and I know, you know, your own product, I think I saw somewhere it's using some of the AI to understand, you know, how well people are doing the movements, you know, similar to that. You know, maybe one more question before we start wrapping things up here. There's a lot of competition in US explicitly. I don't know the market outside of the US as well. But you mentioned some of the players like Kaya, right? I mean, we have Hinge Health, sword in us i know the model might be a bit different especially with the last two that we managed how do you look at yourself in that landscape of companies and again the bold move of entering the us market where there's such competition versus kind of sticking in your own garden if you will where you know the characters you know all the positioning just curious how you look at some of those pseudo or direct competitors I would say U.S. musculoskeletal market is so huge that there will not be just one winner. There will be multiple winners in that market. It's like a huge market. And the uh, competitors that you have just mentioned, uh, those uh, companies are more focusing on employer market at this point. And as I mentioned, uh, 
RTM, still 90% of the physical therapists still haven't heard about that yet. So there are a lot of market opportunity there at this point. So um, I would say that's our chance to excel at that specific market. And I believe that RTM is uh, like a, in the long term, very useful market for the value-based care that every government is focusing on. For government to know that, you know, uh, this kind of a treatment is valuable, they have to see the data, the real-world data. And to collect those real-world data, RTM is one of the, you know, tools to collect those data. So it will be a sustainable market in, in the future. So um, you want to be a, like a first mover into that market and have a grab the winner. Let's start wrapping up here. Uh, you know, you started your story with the fact that you come from a history of clinicians. Your dad was an entrepreneur. And one of the questions that I always ask is, you know, what advice would you give to? And I think typically, you know, you now made the cut into the entrepreneurship world as a clinician, but I actually would love for you to give the advice to the clinicians out there and maybe more specifically, even in your own country, as the entrepreneurship is there, but rising. So just maybe combine a little bit of that, but the focus with the clinicians in mind. As a clinician myself, most of clinicians don't like changes. I don't like change. <laughs> Personally, I don't <laughs> like change in my workflow. I don't like change in my, you know, clinical uh, setting. Those are the like a typical clinician mind, I think, because they have been working their ass off <laughs> to get that point and they don't want to, you know, like make a big change in their life. But what I want to say is that the world is changing. No matter you want it or not, the world is changing. The technology is changing and the healthcare system is changing. So, uh, uh you have to be open minded to catch up. And, you know, to be the, you know, leading expert in those fields. So, um, it's moving fast. It's very exciting that, you know, uh, to see that when I was in residency, I wanted to see those kind of changes, but, you know, I thought it would be like impossible to change this system, but it is changing now. Now I see the change is coming. So it's been very exciting years in recently. Chen, we started with you and the interesting fact that we keep referring to throughout this podcast. We want to end this podcast with you. What gets you up in the morning outside of prepping for the U.S. calls? <laughs> <laughs> well, my kids <laughs> yelling that at me. That too, yep, that too. <laughs> well, I open up my eyes with the excitement that I might change this healthcare system, current healthcare system. I might make a little difference that can actually benefit patients as well as clinicians. That's the kind of excitement that I'm having right now. Yeah, and that excitement absolutely exudes. So what I want to say is Gamsa Habnida. I think I pronounced that right, hopefully. Oh, yeah, you're good. Excellent. So thank you for joining in the evening to do this recording. Thank you for being here. I'm glad we met in Vegas. Thank you to HLTH crew, to putting brilliant people in with thousands of others in the room and appreciate your time. Thank you, Eugene. I'm a big fan of your pocket, so <laughs> it's been my honor to participate in it. Thank you. Spread it in and let's make sure that this season we have South Korea as one of the top listeners as well. Have a great rest of the evening. All right. 
Thanks for tuning into the Digital Therapeutics Edition of Digital Health Today, a production of mission-based media. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player so you're automatically notified each time I speak with one of these amazing leaders and trailblazers who are forging the path for digital therapeutics. If you'd like to learn more about your coach health or health excel, you can find the links to this and more in the show notes for this episode. I'm Eugene Borohovich, and catch you next time.